0: Yes, you're listening to Nightlight, and I hope you've been enjoying the variety of top-notch Bible teachers that I'm blessed to be able to host on this program. And on the show today, you're going to meet someone new. Um,
1: I'm Simon from the UK. I'm presently living in South Africa. I've been blessed to be involved in uh, various ministries over the years. About 2016, I wrote a book on the last days because I recognised that many people in the UK seem to be unprepared and not very knowledgeable about last day scripture. It's ended up with three books, and um, I'm very much keen. I think that people need access to God's Word in its simplicity and its guidance and encouragement in these times to be prepared for, for what's coming up. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times.
0: Simon, let's dive straight into the topic that you chose to share with us today, which is the parallels between the story of Noah and the ark and the times in which we're now living, which Jesus said would be as the days of Noah.
1: The parallel came to me while I was in the UK, and we were meeting on Zoom during lockdowns with friends and doing um, Bible studies. While we were doing the Bible studies, a particular verse sort of came up in our bible study which is a verse from hebrews 11 that says that by faith noah being warned of things not seen as yet prepared an ark for the saving of his house and we were in the lockdown and there was a, a sense between us that this was a taste of things to come yes as noah was forewarned about the ark we were being forewarned about things coming in the world And it made me wonder, what is our ark that we can prepare so that, like Noah, we can be prepared for for what's coming?
0: Very interesting and very important that we learn from the story of Noah and the ark lessons that can help us prepare spiritually for the days of tribulation that lie ahead. Simon, please share more with us about the similarities you see between the days of Noah and the times in which we're living.
1: Yes, it's, it's very interesting when you start looking at the Old Testament stories, and many of the stories you will find suddenly that there's patterns in them that are being going to be replicated in the last days. Not just the Noah story, but others as well. Right. But particularly in the time of Noah, one would say the similarities, the first similarity would be that a, a time of great wickedness preceded the flood. Uh, Genesis 6, 5 reads, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. We can see that in last day scripture especially where we're told that uh, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall grow cold. We're told there'll be terrible times in the last days because people will be lovers of themselves and evil doers and imposters will go from bad to worse. So we see this same pattern of just almost a flood of wickedness being released over the earth at this time. Right, And we see that maybe epitomized in uh, Revelation 17 and 18 with Babylon the Great, who is this great world power that rules over the kings of the earth, but she has become a dwelling for demons, a haunt for every impure spirit, for every unclean bird. And that's in Revelations 18, 2 and 3. So we just see this, uh, the evil in the world has has grown to an intolerable level. And we see that now, I think, too. But similarly to Noah's time, we read in the Bible that the people in the last days are not going to be prepared. In Noah's time, people weren't prepared because it had never even rained before. That's right. Uh, The world had been watered by dew. And at the time of the flood... The floodgates of heaven were opened, and the wellsprings of the deep were opened, resulting in the great flood. But it hadn't even rained. Obviously, although Noah had prepared the ark, um, perhaps for more people, nobody joined him except his family.
0: That's interesting.
1: And uh, Peter tells us that in the last days, it'll be similar. He says uh, in Second Peter 3.3, 3, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And what's interesting about this is that Peter then goes on to explain why they are scoffers. And he says it's because they deliberately forget this fact that God did destroy the world with a mighty flood long after he had made the heavens by the word of his command and had used the waters to form the earth and surround it so he links the ignorance of people to the fact that they deliberately forget the flood that's right and this is sort of fascinating because The flood changed the world's ecology. Before the flood, there was the water band around the earth, the waters above the firmament. And that created a a wonderful ecology where man could live for hundreds of years, where lizards could grow into dinosaurs, and this wonderful ecology. And that was, at the flood, that changed. And we lived much less longer. Dinosaurs could no longer survive And scientists now, when they're doing their scientific examinations, they are ignorant of the flood. And they say everything has carried on the same from the beginning of time. And this accounts, apparently, for their inability to date things properly. Wow. Um, So it's just very interesting that Peter, in that passage, said that people would be unprepared for the last days because perhaps they've been taught evolution and they've been taught Uh, They're ignorant of the creation and of the flood, which I think is fascinating point. Lighting your path through the end times. You're with Nightlight. The second similarity is the unpreparedness. Uh, The third one, uh, which is encouraging for us, is that Noah found favor in the eyes of God in Genesis 6-8. We wonder if we have favor and we realize in the New Testament that we do through faith in Christ because we have been made right in God's sight by faith in his promises. Amen. That's Romans 5.1. So we have the favor of God by faith just as Noah did. So that's encouraging to us as well that as he prepared and looked after Noah, he will prepare and look after his children because we have favor with him because of faith in Christ. Praise God. The final uh, sort of similarity would be the flood itself. God sent a flood on the earth at the time of Noah to destroy the life. And in the last days, we also face a flood. In uh, Revelations 12:15, we read that the serpent, that Satan, spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that's God's people, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. So we aren't facing a flood of water, but we're facing a flood of evil, really, as our godly values are are washed away by a liberal, humanistic agenda in which man is exalted in place of God. So there is a flood of that in the world today. That's right. And we have to see what what is our ark that we can build, so we can be preserved. Um, In the last days also, we see that there's going to be a time of of tribulation as well. So we know there's going to be difficult times. And like Noah, we have time now to prepare, to ensure that we are doing all we can so that God can lift us up above the the flood of evil and uh, through to his return.
0: Simon, tell us about the original Hebrew word for ark in Genesis. It's very interesting.
1: Yes, so the word for ark in Hebrew is tavar and there's only one other place in the Bible where that word is used and it's used for that lovely story of Moses being put in this wicker basket. Tavar is the word used for this wicker basket into which Moses was launched into the river Nile. So both of these are Receptacles that preserve precious life for the promise of a better future.
0: Interesting.
1: And so we can see our ark similarly, just as uh, Moses was put in the water and preserved, so Noah was in the ark and was preserved, and we are looking for our ark that will preserve us. Yes. And secondly, is that the, the word ark is derived from the Latin word arca, which means chest. And of course, that became the word to describe the ark of the covenant. Which came to signify that the presence of God among His people. Yes. So therefore, for us, the Ark represents a place of refuge in a dangerous environment, a sacred place of God's presence and power. And it just begs the question: What is our Ark? Is there anything that we can do to prepare for these times, or are we sort of rather vulnerable and helpless in these times? I felt that that verse in Hebrews eleven seven, where Noah is warned of things not yet seen and moved with fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Really begged the question, what is our ark? Even the night can be bright when you switch on your nightlight.
0: Simon, tell us how this teaching came about, because I believe it was the positive fruit that came from the restrictions of the lockdown. Is that right?
1: Yes. Well, like many others, uh, we were locked down in the UK at the time. And, uh, I really felt the need to reach out to old friends around the country, and so we organized a Zoom group. We would normally just choose one passage of Scripture to read, and then we'd just read and reflect on it together. And we just found God speaking so strongly through the Scripture, through our brothers and sisters, and through the time together, that I soon sort of came to the conclusion that our arc must comprise some of the things that we were experiencing during those Zoom meetings. Wow. Most notably, Jesus, his word, his spirit, and then his body. Right. Because somehow, the time together spent on Zoom, we just found Christ manifesting in our midst through the time together. And uh, I came to the conclusion quite quickly that these things must represent our ark in the last days. Each is an important component of our ark in the last days.
0: Yes. Of course, now, thanks to Zoom and similar apps, you can study God's Word together with fellow believers anywhere in the world. And you don't need to wait for another lockdown
1: to do it. That's right. We do believe that God is forming His his church for the last days that there is a move of his spirit to strengthen believers, to bring the believers, to fitly join the believers into the body. And sometimes it's not an institutional church, it's not a denomination, it's just people coming together in the area who all sense the same thing, that there is a need to come together and a need to prepare for the future.
0: You're with Nightlight. Simon, please elaborate a little bit more on the parallel of Jesus being our ark.
1: Yes, well, I was sort of curious about what it meant that Jesus would be our ark and what it meant that the Holy Spirit would be part of it and the body and the word of God would be part of it. And I really found myself being drawn on each of those examples to Jesus's talk at the Last Supper with his disciples, when he was preparing them for a time of crisis, when he would be taken away from them. And I just found that, uh, yes, in this talk, he really teaches us the specifications of the ark, of our ark, and what it's good for. On each case, it, it just seemed that he very much emphasized these same things himself, the Holy Spirit the Word of God, and the importance of the body. Yes. Just sitting in those few chapters, I guess it's John 13 to 17, there's so much to draw from there about the blessings of this ark that God has prepared for us in Christ.
0: And in Jesus, our ark, we can be totally safe and secure and at peace no matter what kind of floods and judgments are happening to the world around us.
1: Yeah, it's actually Jesus' first words in John 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Yes. And so he tells us that we do not have to be afraid if we believe in him, if we live in him, that he is the place where we will not be troubled. He is our ark that was built on Mount Calvary on the cross that provides us a safe place. Praise God. Like the promises of Psalm 91, where it it teaches us that we're safe in the secret place of the Most High, that the Lord is our refuge and our fortress. So we have a fortress, a really safe place In Jesus. And he points us first to himself. He points the disciples first to himself in that passage. And we must always remember that we are perfectly safe and secure in Christ. And we're going to go on to discover more reasons why that's the case later in John 15, Jesus tells us to remain in him while he also remains in us. And so Jesus is telling us that he's not a place that we visit. It's not a place where we can just stay temporarily, Yes, but that being in him is a place of habitation, a place where we can live. It's a place we can be 24-7 which reminds us of another verse from Psalm 91 where it says, Because thou hast made the Lord, even the Most High, thy habitation. Jesus is just telling us to prepare to live more and more in him, to not be distracted and and leave that secret place too often, but to come and live in him full time. I think that's, again, just encouraging that Jesus invites us to remain in him, to live in him, to stay in him bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Night Light.
0: Let me just read here this quote from Cory Ten Boom, which you've included in your book. She said, We need to develop a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, not just the Jesus of yesterday, the Jesus of history, but the life-changing Jesus of today, who is still alive and sitting at the right hand of God. You will not be strong in yourself when the tribulation comes. Rather, you will be strong in the power of him who will not forsake you. For 76 years I've known the Lord Jesus and not once has he ever left me or let me down. That's so encouraging because no matter what persecution or tribulation we may go through in the future, it couldn't be worse than what Corrie ten Boom endured in those Nazi concentration camps.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, She is a very encouraging example. And she has written to the church in a letter about preparing for the tribulation which is quoted throughout this passage in the book. Quite often when we face difficult times we also wonder well, what is the way what is the way I should go I don't know the way and very much reminiscent of what Thomas said to Jesus in John 14 when he said lord we don't know the way and Jesus response was I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's right. And this wonderfully encouraging thing that when we're in Christ, we don't have to know the way. We stay in him and allow him to know the way and to lead us. And I believe that the ark didn't have a rudder. Noah wasn't going from directing his own steps, but he had to trust God to take the ark and to land it exactly where God wanted it to be landed. Right. Further along in the passage, Jesus says that in me you have peace, In the world you may have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we find peace in Christ and we overcome in Christ because he has already overcome the world. We don't have to overcome the world. We have to stay in Christ. And when we do, we'll overcome naturally. Yes. So I just think it's wonderfully encouraging to see that in Christ we have safety. We don't have to be troubled. We have a place of habitation. We have the way when we're in Christ we have peace and we will overcome if we remain in Christ. Yes. And of course, it's a last day scripture that we will triumph over him, that Satan, by the blood of the Lamb as well. So we're encouraged that in Christ we will overcome.
0: And they also overcame by the word of their testimony.
1: Uh, and the word of their testimony as well. Exactly. So keeping our testimony strong, uh, sharing our testimony. I'm going to come up to that a little bit later. But so it's, Jesus kind of points us to himself then in those chapters saying, I am your safe place. I am your ark. Look to me, trust me, and I will make a way for you. But he's... He's not the only part of the ark, because we do need these other parts, other components of the ark. We see that in John 17, where Jesus sort of defines our problem. He defines the disciples' problem, he defines our problem, which is that we don't fit in with the world as it is. And Jesus says in John 17, 14 to 16, I don't ask my Father to take them out of the world, but I ask him to keep them safe from Satan's power because they are not part of this world any more than I am. And in John 17, 17, Jesus tells us how we're kept from Satan's power. He says, "'Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth.'" And this is just a a lovely encouragement to us that we have a means, again, in this evil world to be sanctified, to be separated, to be set apart, and it's through the Word of God. Amen. And you'll find that whenever you come together to to read Scripture with believers, you will just sense the power of the Word of God to to do that. Um, Sometimes if you feel you're sinking, uh, struggling, which we all do on our own when we come together with believers in the Word of God, then we... We find our heads coming to the surface and, and looking at the sunshine that is, is God in our life. That's right. And so, yes, I've come to the conclusion that the Word of God is a little bit like the tar that Noah painted on the inside and the outside of the ark to make it waterproof. We need the Word of God in our lives. We need it to keep us above the flood And so make sure we don't have leaks and the flood comes in and the word of God is is, is a great waterproofing for the soul.
0: Very good analogy. So whatever we do, Simon, we must never get so busy that we crowd out the word of God and reading and meditating on the word, even memorizing it.
1: I think so. It's, It's very interesting if you read the Corrie ten Boom quote that when she was in the concentration camp, the verses that she had memorized, you know, were her rock and her sister's rock. And that enabled them to have a successful ministry in the middle of the concentration camp and to come out victorious. Can we read her quote?
0: Yes, she wrote, How can we get ready for the persecution? First, we need to feed on the Word of God, digest it, make it part of our being. This will mean disciplined Bible study each day as we not only memorize long passages of Scripture, but put the principles to work in our lives. Wow.
1: Isn't that wonderful? And I, I find, too, that personal Bible study is very important, but group Bible study is so important as well, because it, it just enables the Word of God to become alive in a way that is, is, is very special.
0: And I'm so thankful for this YouTube platform where we can share these much-needed Bible studies with the world.
1: It's wonderful because the Lord is equipping the church and he wants to equip the church. If we're open to what each part of the body has to offer, then we are going to be equipped. And that's such a blessing. So I'm, I'm grateful for the show too.
0: And of course, the word of God is also an important part of our spiritual arc and a vital protection against the many deceptions that we are facing in these last days.
1: Yes, absolutely. Deception is probably the major theme that runs through all of last day's scripture. Jesus mentions it three times in Matthew 24, and in the book of Daniel, it's mentioned throughout in 2 Thessalonians. Right. And the only protection against deception is the word of God, which Jesus defines as the truth. And so it's it's a huge blessing to become familiar with the last day's passages Uh, So that you don't have to rely on somebody else's teaching. That's right. But that you are on the rock of his word. He says, heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. Amen. So I I do feel that in some places, we find the last day scriptures being very complex and complicated. And I, I, I don't believe it is. I believe it's quite simple. If we just take it as it is, as Jesus said it is, And it's very important that people learn to trust the Word of God themselves and come into a relationship with the Word of God themselves through the help of Bible teachers. That's right. Not to depend and think, well, I'm not clever enough to understand the Word of God. No, the the Bible says that the Word of God is sure. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So it's absolutely fine to be simple. That's right. (laughs) And it'll bring you understanding. You're listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world.
0: Well, there are a lot more similarities between the story of Noah in Genesis and the spiritual ark of the last days, and people can read those in your book. But maybe on this show, you could share one more component of the ark. How about the Holy Spirit?
1: Yes well well when we when we read Jesus' talk to his disciples in in the last days, we see the Holy Spirit plays such an important part in john fifteen twenty six we read the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus in john fourteen twenty six we read the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us of the Word of God, and we also understand that the Holy Spirit joins the body together in first corinthians twelve thirteen, it says the holy spirit has fitted us all together into one body and so i like to see the holy spirit as the the ark's head carpenter nice joining the ark together christ his word and his body and organizing the ark so that it's ship and seaworthy so the Holy Spirit is such an important component and we see that that Jesus mentions the importance of the Holy Spirit in his parable of the the five wise and five foolish virgins his first parable of the last days is warning his church be filled with my spirit be prepared because you're gonna need it in the last days that's right and Corrie ten Boom says similarly we must be filled with the Holy Spirit Each of us needs our own personal Pentecost. We'll never be able to stand in the tribulation without it. When I am weak, then I shall be strong, the Bible says. Betsy and I were prisoners for the Lord. We were so weak, but we got power because the Holy Spirit was on us. That mighty inner strengthening of the Holy Spirit helped us through. And it's the Holy Spirit then which puts together the body as well. And if you read Jesus's prayer in John 17, it is striking how often he emphasizes the importance of the unity of the body. That's right. The importance of being one, the unity of being one. He calls it the glorious unity of being one. And I certainly feel that being part of a a healthy, Good, vibrant body is just is just so important and crucial for us in the last days. Yes. We are not able to survive as individuals, as an individual limb in the body if we are not attached and, and strengthened together. Because we know there's going to be testing times and persecutions, but we also know the people who know their God will be strong and carry out exploits. Daniel 11:32.
0: Praise God.
1: And we believe there's a big role for the church in the last days to teach, to shine the light of the gospel continually through these dark days. Amen. And the final quote by Corrie Ten Boom, I think is also very encouraging and quite a nice one to close with. She says, the world is deathly ill. It is dying. The great physician has already signed the death certificate, yet there is still a great work for Christians to do. They are to be streams of living water, channels of mercy to those who are still in the world. And it's possible for them to do this because they are overcomers. Christians are ambassadors for Christ and representatives from heaven to this dying world. And I really believe that's the body. The body of Christ is is a group of people. It's not just one person. And so I hope you've seen that this ark is ship shape and seaworthy that with Jesus with his word with his spirit and with the body we can sail secure through these times uh, but there's work of preparation to be done I believe Nightlights interview of the week
0: has been with Simon Bennett Simon thanks for all you shared we look forward to you coming back on the show to tell us about some of the other Archetypes of the last days that you cover
1: in your book. Yes, hundred percent. As I say in the book, we face an exam in the last days. It's testing time. But that if we read past papers of God's children, we'll suddenly find that there's quite a lot of similarities and quite a lot we can learn from past papers that'll help us to pass this last day's test.
0: That's a really good parallel. And Lord, give us all the grace to pass the final exam with flying colors. Simon, thanks so much, and would you like to close by telling us how we can order your books?
1: Yes, thank you, thank you so much, yes. uh, The first book is Let's Look Forwards, which looks at Matthew 24, and the final landmarks that uh, we will see before Christ returns so we can be prepared for them. Then I did a book called Daniel Looks Forwards, which is about the prophetic chapters of Daniel and the narrative chapters, which are are very interesting as well. And then the final book is God's Children Look Forwards, which looks at the archetypes in the Old Testament and the similarities between many of those stories and what we'll face in the last days. And they can be found on Amazon, uh, Take a Lot in South Africa. They should all be there to be found. I'm Simon Bennett, the author and you'll find the
0: links to those books below if you enjoyed the show please be sure to share it with others and encourage them to subscribe to this channel this is chris Glynn signing off and looking forward to being back with you very soon for another nightlight podcast god bless you bye bye